0: Good evening, Crypt Keepers, and welcome to Cryptique, where we discuss all things paranormal, occult, UFOs, metaphysical, hidden history, forbidden archaeology, and all things truther. I'm joined, as always, by my partner on this journey through the cosmos, Ryan. How's it going, man?
1: It's going good. I've got my fake Red Bull. I'm ready to go.
0: You're ready to go? This is an
1: episode we've been talking about for quite a while, and we just... I haven't gotten around to doing it. We've had so many interviews, so many interesting people to talk to.
0: That's right. Just well, getting
1: pushed to the back burner.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's time. it's time. It's time that the truth came out. So I'll run through what you need to know real quick. You can help us out by liking, subscribing, and sharing and or writing a positive review. You can interact with us. Our socials are in the notes. Tell us what you think at crypteekpodcast at gmail.com. You can check out our cool stuff at Store.com. And if you're looking to help us out a little bit, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash pi. All right. What are we talking about tonight?
1: Tonight we are talking about the 27 Club an informal compilation of notable musicians, artists, actors, and celebrities. I guess that's just more general celebrities who tragically passed away at the age of 27. Uh, and it has, it's a cultural phenomenon. A lot of people will understand what you're talking about as soon as you say the 27 Club. Mm-hmm. Despite scientific research debunking the notion of a statistically significant spike in musician deaths at this age, the concept has entrenched itself in popular culture. With the demise of celebrities at 27 often associated with high risk lifestyles. This trend has since become a recurring theme in popular culture, featuring prominently in celebrity journalism and the lore of the entertainment industry. I'm trying to hold back some of my comments about lifestyles, but. Okay. Uh, referred to as the 27 Club, this phenomenon imparts a certain mystique. To those in the realm of popular music, art, acting, and other celebrity domains who meet their untimely end at the age of 27. The circumstances surrounding these deaths often involve issues such as drug or alcohol abuse, as well as violent means like homicide, suicide, or transportation-related accidents. Mm -hmm. Which we've talked about one of those before, which I'm sure we'll get into here. Despite its prevalence and popular belief, the claim that celebrity deaths are more common at the age of 27 has been thoroughly refuted. This urban myth continues to captivate public imagination, adding an extra layer of intrigue to the legacies of those who join the somber ranks of the 27 Club. Haunting legacy of the 27 Club traces back to a period between 1969 and 1971 when iconic figures such as Brian Jones, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, and Jim Morrison all met their untimely demise at the age of 27.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Initially, the coincidence sparked some commentary, but it wasn't until Kurt Cobain's tragic death in 94 that the idea of the 27 Club firmly embedded itself in the popular zeitgeist. And I feel like when i think of this the most the ones that stick out to me the most are probably janice joplin and kurt cobain when kim was asking me what topic we were talking about today and i was like 27 club she just kind of looked at me so she's the one who doesn't know what that is (laughs) it's like you know kurt cobain janice joplin people all died at that age for some reason uh anyway according to biographer charles r cross credited with works on both hendrix and cobain The conceptualization of the 27 Club gained momentum in the aftermath of Cobain's death. Cross points to the growing influence of the internet and sensational celebrity journalism on popular culture as key contributors to the phenomenon. I guess, yeah, 94, the internet was around. I don't know how common it was, but a lot of the topics that we talk about kind of need the internet. They need a way to spread these ideas.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and I think he's talking about not just 94, but as we're moving 94, and yeah, yeah, and yeah. 94 and beyond.
1: Yeah. But I do remember, like, uh, you know, things started, to, like, around that time, it was like, oh, well, now we've got a website if you want to do mm-hmm. that or we, you can send us mail electronically. Like, people didn't mm-hmm. know how to talk about stuff yet. <laughs> I remember them doing, like, news segments. You probably remember it, too, where they're like, how are you supposed to like address stuff in email and how are you supposed to talk about it? How do you pronounce the at symbol? Things like that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. Cause the news is stupid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So anyway, where, where were we? Uh, Cross points to the growing influence of the internet. Like we were talking about, he also highlights a statement made by Cobain's mother, Wendy Fredenberg, Cobain O'Connor, <laughs> which is quite a name. Is a Mm -hmm. pivotal moment, her remark, widely disseminated by the Associated Press, expressed regret with the words, now he's gone and joined that stupid club. I told him not to join that stupid club.
0: Mm.
1: Rock music, urban myth chronicler R. Gary Patterson aligns with this interpretation, suggesting that Cobain's mother was likely referring to Hendrix Joplin and Morrison. Others, however, linked her statement to the heroin-related deaths of contemporaries like Stephanie Sargent and Andrew Wood. Eric Segelstadt proposed an alternative view, connecting the comment to Cobain's relatives who had committed suicide. Cross dismisses the idea that Cobain intentionally timed his death to join the 27 Club, highlighting Cobain's numerous near-death experiences due to drug overdoses and previous suicide attempts at various ages.
0: Yeah, and we'll get into this more but I just want to point out that the person who said that they're joining the heroin overdose club, I mean, I don't see that as something that someone would say, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like if if Ryan is, uh, you know, all of a sudden a fentanyl addict, I'm not going to be like, oh, he joined that fentanyl addict club. Right. Or he joined that, you know, and I'll say, oh, he joined that, you know, whatever hobby club, you know, the the uh, shotgun shooting club or the archery club. But I'm not going to be like, oh, he joined that club, you know, the club that jogs on Sundays. It's I don't know. It's just a stupid way to say it, and I can't yeah, imagine it's... being like, oh, he's joining the heroin death club.
1: Definitely seems like reaching for sure. Yeah. All right, so nevertheless, the residents of the 27 Club endured, and in 2011, the untimely death of Amy Winehouse at the age of 27 reignited media fascination with the phenomena. Winehouse herself had expressed apprehensions about joining the 27 Club, confiding in her personal assistant that she had a premonition of dying young, akin to Jim Morrison, Brian Jones, and Kurt Cobain. The cyclical nature of these occurrences only deepens the mystique surrounding the Twenty Seven Club, perpetuating its status uh, as a enigmatic chapter mm-hmm. of popular culture. A pivotal study published in the British Medical Journal in December 2011. By university academics scrutinized the supposed 27 club phenomena. Contrary to popular belief, the research concluded that there was no heightened risk of death for musicians at the age of 27. Instead, the study identified similarly small increases in mortality rates at ages 25 and 32. It emphasized that young adult musicians in general exhibit a higher death rate compared to the broader young adult population. Researchers theorize that while fame might indeed contribute to an elevated risk of death among musicians, that that risk is not confined to the age of 27. Sure. Building upon this scientific inquiry, a 2014 article published in The Conversation, which The Conversation is the name of the publication, presented additional insights. The article proposed that statistical evidence actually points to a different age as a potential peak for the mortality of popular musicians. According to the analysis, musicians are statistically more likely to pass away at the age of 56, with a mortality rate of 2.2 percent, as opposed to the popular, uh, popularly perceived age of 27, which has a mortality rate of 1.3 percent. Yeah, the scientific investigations challenge the enduring myth surrounding the 27 Club. Is
0: this one, I think, statistics are really difficult to apply because now. If we're talking about musicians, well, um, I have a friend that plays the guitar, uh, you know, as much as he gets a chance to. Now, is he a musician? Well, yeah. But is he a musician who's on tour going to big cities everywhere around the world with drugs and people, you know, throwing their bodies at him and, you know, any kind of you know, drug you can imagine is at the, at his fingertips, there's a big difference when you just say musician, yeah. because if we're talking, you know, rock bands that have world tours, I think that the statistics are going to be a lot different than anyone who plays an instrument more than once a week. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, mm-hmm the the statistics can be manipulated so easily and i think that well i know that when i talk about the 27 club i am thinking of popular uh mostly musicians but you know people that kind of were at their peak at 27 and their that peak was you know flying really high Uh, right not not uh including, you know, the, the organ player, local church. (laughs) Yeah. Or or the flutist in, you know, a symphony orchestra or something like that. Like this is more confined to like rock and, and rap and, you know, that lifestyle. So I don't know. Statistics are nice, but they don't really work so, so well in this case, I don't think.
1: Mm -hmm. So, Um, Journalists and other authors have, over time, identified certain individuals as members based on their untimely deaths. So that's Jimi Hendrix in 1970, Janice Joplin in 1970, Jim Morrison 1971, Brian Jones 1969, Kurt Cobain 1994, and Robert Johnson, who we've done an episode on in 1938. All right, but we will hit a... Another list, a little, you know, with a few more examples after a quick break. Welcome back, Crypt
0: All right. We can just bounce back and forth on this one if you want. Sure. Um, okay. So we'll start off with Alexander Levy. I'm assuming that's how you say it. I should probably know since it's a famous person. But um, Alexander Levy, January 17th, 1892. And we don't know how he died, but he was a composer, pianist, and conductor.
1: Louis Chauvin, or Chauvin, however you pronounce that, March 26th, 1908. Neurocephalic sclerosis is his cause of death, and he was a ragtime musician.
0: Robert Johnson August 16th 1938 death is unknown but a lot of people say that it was poisoning some people say it was syphilis you can find out in our episode if you go back and listen he was a blue singer and musician
1: yeah Ghazi of Iraq April 4th 1939 in a traffic accident but also listed as a probable murder. King of Iraq from 1933
0: to 1939. Nat Jaffe, August 5th, 1945, complications from high blood pressure, and he was a swing jazz pianist. You like that? You like pianist, or do you go You go pianist. pianist?
1: Pianist is fine. Okay. Pianist is fine. Uh, Jesse Belvin, February 6th, 1960, in a car crash with suspected foul play, R&B singer, pianist, and
0: songwriter. Rudy Lewis, May 20th, 1964, drug overdose, and he was the vocalist for The Drifters, which was a popular uh, kind of bubblegum, lowrider, oldie R&B type group.
1: Joe Henderson, October 24th of 1964, died of a heart attack, and he was an R&B and gospel singer
0: malcolm hale october 30th 1968 carbon monoxide poisoning he was an original member and lead guitarist of spanky and our gang
1: dickie pride march 26th 1969 died of a drug overdose and was a rock and roll singer
0: okay so now we're going to get into a famous well a, a more famous one uh brian jones july 3rd 1969 Drowning, he was a Rolling Stones founder, guitarist, and multi-instrumentalist. So the circumstances surrounding his death on the night of, it was basically overnight between uh, July 2nd and July 3rd. So at approximately midnight, he was discovered lifeless at the bottom of his swimming pool at Cotchford Farm. Anna Wolin, his Swedish girlfriend at the time, strongly believed that Jones was still alive when he was pulled out of the pool, insisting that she felt a pulse. Apparently, the autopsy revealed fresh water in his lungs, not pool water. Hmm. He also was having construction workers staying at his estate, whom he had just it out with and fired. So there's possible revenge mixed in here, too. Now, unfortunately, by the time the EMTs arrived, it was too late to revive him, and he was officially pronounced dead upon reaching the hospital. According to the coroner's report, the cause of death was ruled as drowning, but later specified as death by misadventure. That's such a weird statement to me.
1: Yeah, it's a weird old-timey way of saying that. Just yeah. like accidental death is, I think, what that really means, but
0: yeah, it's the, very...
1: Yeah.
0: The report also highlighted significant enlargement of Jones's liver and heart attributed to his history of drug and alcohol abuse. Now, they also found that he had drank about three pints of uh, beer that night, which really is is nothing. Uh, to somebody who's an alcoholic. The combination of these factors contributed to the untimely demise of the talented musician and founding member of the Rolling Stones. And the circumstances of his passing remain a somber chapter in the history of rock music. And it's just another instance of a prominent figure joining the 27 club. You want to do the next two?
1: Sure. Alan Blindell Wilson, September 3rd of 1970 of drug overdose Leader, singer, and primary composer of Canned Heat. And then we've got Jimi Hendrix, september eighteenth, nineteen seventy, asphyxia due to drug use, who of course was a pioneering electric guitarist, singer and songwriter of the Jimi Hendrix experience and the band of gypsies. The details surrounding Jimi Hendrix's last day and his untimely death on september eighteenth of nineteen seventy have been the subject of dispute. On the 17th, Hendricks spent much of his day in London with Monica Daneman, who had later become the only witness to his final hours. According to Danneman, she and Hendricks shared a meal at her apartment in the Samarkand Hotel around 11 p.m. on the 17th, accompanied by a bottle of wine. <laughs> Subsequently, she drove him to the residence of an acquaintance at approximately 1.45 a.m. Hendricks stayed there for about an hour before Danneman picked him up, and they returned to her flat at 3 a.m. Dannemann claimed that they engaged in conversation until around 7 a.m., after which they went to sleep. When Danneman woke up at 11 a.m., which is not a long time to be asleep, she found Hendricks breathing but unconscious and unresponsive. Concerned about his condition, she promptly called for an ambulance at 11.18 a.m. and had arrived nine minutes later. Paramedics transported Hendricks to St. Mary Abbott's Hospital, where Dr. John Bannister pronounced him dead at 12.45 p.m. on September 18th. Following Hendrix's death, coroner Gavin Thurston, which is a British name if I've ever heard one, ordered a post-mortem examination conducted on the 21st by Professor Robert Donald Tier, a forensic pathologist. Thurston completed the inquest on the 28th, determining that Hendricks aspirated his own vomit and died of asphyxia while intoxicated with barbiturates. Due to insufficient evidence of the circumstances, Thurston declared an open verdict. Monica Daneman Hendrix's girlfriend that we've been talking about, later disclosed that Hendrix had ingested nine of her prescribed Vesperax or Vesperax sleeping tablets, which I'm sure is probably something that's still around, just maybe under a different name.
0: Probably. (laughs) Which
1: was 18 times the recommended dosage. Desmond Henley embalmed Hendrix's body and it was flown to Seattle on the 29th. A memorial service took place at Dunlap Baptist Church in Seattle's Rainier Valley on October 1st, attended by family, friends, including Mitch Mitchell, Noel Redding, Miles Davis, John Hammond, and Johnny Winter, which is a star-studded uh, service. Oh, yeah. Hendrix's body was interred at Greenwood Cemetery near uh, Renton, where his mother was also buried. The funeral procession involved twenty-four limousines with over two hundred people attending the service to pay their respects to the legendary guitarist.
0: So that's that's a a tough way to go. It's it it reminds
1: me of um, Bruce Lee a little bit. Hmm. Like kind of follow his a day in the life and try to figure out what happened.
0: Yeah,
1: I don't know. I mean, the initial story. I don't know. At what point does he take nine of those sleeping pills?
0: Yeah. They're
1: up till seven in the morning. Did he need sleeping pills at seven in the morning to go to sleep after being up all night? Maybe.
0: I mean, I guess so. And, you know, generally when people uh, aspirate on their own vomit, I I think it's attributed to alcohol or, you know, some sort of sleeping pill. But I, I have to wonder we talk about how the government says you can, you can drink and drive. You just have to be responsible with it. it, Where, whereas every drink you take makes you less and less responsible. Right. Mm So maybe he didn't really need any sleeping pills, but he was drunk and he's like, I'll just let me get a couple of these. And, and, and it was more of a, a mistake you know, by, by being so messed up than it was a decision to take nine or a decision of like, I'm going to try and end it or anything like that. Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, even somebody like a normal everyday person could probably do something not quite like that, but like, Oh, did I take that? Uh, Let me just take another
0: one. Yeah. Yeah. But it is interesting that the serving size, well, I guess the, the serving size. The dosage is a half a tablet. It seems weird that they mm-hmm. would make something and be like, okay, we made it like this, but you have to break it and have to take it. Like, why not just make it, you know, half the size to begin with? So, All right. Janis Joplin, October 4th, 1970, Drug Overdose. Lead vocalist and songwriter of Big Brother and the Holding Company, the Cosmic Blues Band, and... Full Tilt Boogie Band, which is a cool name. Janice was found dead on the floor of her room at the Landmark Motor Hotel on Sunday evening, October 4th, 1970, by her road manager and close friend, John Byrne Cook. Alcohol was present in the room but no other drugs or paraphernalia were reported by newspapers. According to a 1983 book by Joseph DeMona and Los Angeles County Coroner Thomas Noguchi, evidence of narcotics was initially removed from the scene by a friend of Joplin but was later put back when it was realized that an autopsy would reveal the presence of narcotics in her system. Noguchi performed an autopsy and determined the cause of death to be a heroin overdose possibly compounded by alcohol, which I, I think it's kind of well known that, you know, Janice was a raging alcoholic. And I think anytime, you know, we talk about like, oh, well, maybe with, uh, uh you know, the uh, one guy, Brian Jones, three, three pints was nothing. But when you start mixing stuff with alcohol or heroin, any amount of alcohol can be a big deal. Right. Yeah. So. Her her road manager believed that she'd been given heroin that was much more potent than what she and the other LA heroin users had received on previous occasions, as indicated by the overdoses of several of her dealer's other customers during the same weekend. That's pretty strong evidence to me.
1: Yeah.
0: The, the death was ruled accidental. Peggy Caserta, Joplin's close friend, and Seth Morgan, Joplin's fiance, had failed to meet Joplin on the Friday immediately prior to her death, which left her saddened. Caserta admitted to waiting until late Sunday night to call the landmark switchboard, only to learn that Joplin had instructed the desk clerk not to accept any incoming calls for her after midnight. Caserta insisted that Joplin's death was not an accidental overdose, but the result of a head gash suffered after her slingback sandal caught in the shag carpet, causing her to lose her balance. So, a slingback sandal is just going to be a sandal that's not a flip flop—the thing that goes around the back of your, like your Achilles tendon. But that's pretty gangsta to get stuck in the uh, shag carpet. Caserta did acknowledge that drugs and/or alcohol may have played a role in hastening her death. Joplin was cremated at Pierce Brothers Westwood Village Memorial Park and Mortuary in Los Angeles, and her ashes were scattered into the Pacific Ocean. From a plane.
1: Hmm.
0: So do you have any final thoughts on hers? I mean, I think hers is pretty cut and dry. Uh,
1: no, I don't have any particular thoughts on that one. Just, it's a little less, I guess, mysterious than hmm. the others. But, all right, so next we've got our listed Christian, whose nickname is Dyke, apparently. That is his nickname, or... Her nickname, front, well it says front man So I'm not familiar with this individual
0: <laughs>
1: <clears throat> But saying that middle part of the name makes me nervous Anyway, March 13th of 1971 uh, Was murdered And was the front man, vocalist, and bassist of Dyke and the Blazers
0: mm-hmm. And
1: uh, this happened at the age of 27 years And 273 days specifically
0: Yeah, almost made it And then
1: we'll move on to Jim Morrison, who died July 3rd of 1971 of heart failure, and of course was the singer, lyricist, and leader of The Doors. After recording L.A. Woman with The Doors in Los Angeles, Jim Morrison announced his intention to go to Paris, and in March of 1971, he joined his girlfriend, Pamela Corson, in Paris. They stayed at an apartment she had rented in La Marais. Uh, Morrison wrote letters to his friends describing long walks through the city alone. During this time, he shaved his beard and lost weight. On July 3, 1971, Morrison was found dead in the bathtub of the Paris apartment at around 6 a.m. by Corson. He was 27 years old, and the official cause of death was listed as heart failure. No autopsy was performed, as it was not required by French law. According to Corson, Morrison's last words as he was bathing were, Pam, are you still there? Some eyewitnesses, including Marianne Faithful claimed that Morrison's death was due to an accidental heroin overdose. Sam Burnett, founder and manager of the nightclub Rock and Roll Circus, stated that he found Morrison unresponsive in the club's bathrooms after a possible heroin overdose around 2 a.m. However, due to the lack of an autopsy, these statements could never be confirmed. So they're saying he was at a club beforehand, was unresponsive and on drugs then, and then was found later unresponsive and dead in a bathtub.
0: Yeah, in what's this guy doing? You you know, you've okay. So you find somebody that's unresponsive and you're like, uh, take him home. Yeah. You know, or, or let's get him, let's get him to his apartment. It's insane to me.
1: 70s, man. Uh, music journalist, Ben Fong Torres, Torres, Torres mentioned that reporters who called Paris were told that Morrison was not deceased, but tired and resting at a hospital. Agnes Varda, Morrison's friend and film director, admitted to hiding the incident from the public and confirmed in her last media interview before her death in 2019 that she was the only one of the four mourners to attend Morrison's burial. Jim Morrison's death occurred two years to the day after the death of Rolling Stone's guitarist Brian Jones and approximately nine months after the deaths of Jimi Hendrix, And Janis Joplin leading to the emergence of the 27 Club. Since his demise, there have been various conspiracy theories concerning Morrison's death. Uh,
0: There's a really cool picture out there that I'm assuming if if you do end up just putting up like pictures and background and stuff, uh, you should have the slide. But there's a picture of Tom Petty at Jim Morrison's grave where you can see what looks like the apparition of Jim Morrison standing behind him kind of back in a, um, Mm, like a grotto. Yeah. Yeah. It it looks like him standing in the grotto. So if, if we have it up, you'll see it. If we don't, then look it up. Yeah.
1: Or if you're listening to the audio version, check out the YouTube version. Yeah. The picture will probably be there.
0: So, Ron Pigpen McKernan, March 8th, 1973, he passed away from a gastrointestinal hemorrhage, and he was a founding member, keyboardist, and singer of The Grateful Dead.
1: Yeah, Pamela Corson, April 25th, 1974, of a drug overdose, and she was the long-term companion of Jim Morrison and heir to his estate. Pete
0: Ham, April 24th, 1975, died by suicide, and he was a singer, songwriter, keyboardist, and guitarist, and leader of Badfinger.
1: Gary Fane, December 8th, 1975, Drug Overdose, former bassist of Uriah Heep and the Keith Hartley Band. Keith Hartley Band, I'm not sure I've heard of before.
0: No, I haven't either, but I love it. Keith. <laughs> <laughs> Helmet Colon, May 3rd, 1977, carbon monoxide poisoning. And he was the bassist of Ryan's favorite 1970s Prague rock band, Triumvirate.
1: Sure. D. Boone, December 22nd, 1985, died in a car accident. Guitarist, lead singer. Uh, sorry, guitarist and lead singer of punk band Minutemen, which was your nickname in high school. <laughs>
0: That's right. Alexander Bachelachev. February 17th, 1988. Defenestration. Possible suicide. And he was a poet, rock musician, and uh, songwriter.
1: And that is uh, being thrown out a window. Defenestration. Yeah. Which when you put it that way with that word, being thrown out a window, that does sound like Not suicide, like very specifically that word sounds like not suicide anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, and, and there wasn't a whole lot about him. I didn't go real deep into it because I don't think that most people know who it is, but.
1: Amar Singh Shankila, March 8th, 1988, died from murder. Singer, songwriter, musician, and composer, although we do not have information from our list as to of what composed what Saying for what?
0: Jean-Michel Basquiat. or Basquiat. No, I think that was good. Okay. August 12th, 1988. Drug overdose. Painter and graffiti artist and formed the band Grey. Uh, Pete
1: de Frittat. I'm just going to go with that. June 14th, 1989. Died in a motorcycle accident. Drummer of Echo and the Bunnymen. Which I've not heard, man, there's a bunch of like crazy sounding band names.
0: Yeah. All right. Chris Austin, March 16th, 1991, in a plane crash. And he was a country singer and guitarist slash fiddle player for Reba McIntyre. And at one point, Reba McIntyre was about as big as it gets. So even though you may not know his name, this would be, you know, like saying a, a, you know, a guitar player from, you know, a, a huge rock band or something along those lines. So just keep that no. in mind. It's a big deal in the country music world. See, I
1: was going to joke and be like, oh, you mean that that lady who was in Tremors <laughs> as the survivalist's wife or whatever? Yeah. All right. We got Mia Zapata, July 7th, 1993, was murdered. Lead singer for the Gits.
0: Which was a huge up and coming band in. Um The grunge world. So in the
1: early hours of July 7th, Mia left the Comet Tavern in Seattle's Capitol Hill area, and that was the last time she was seen alive. Her body was later discovered, beaten, raped, and strangled near 24th Avenue South and South Washington Street. Despite extensive efforts by the Seattle music community, including bands like Nirvana and Pearl Jam, the case remained unsolved for years. In 2003, DNA evidence led to the arrest of Jesus Mesquia, I say that's probably how you pronounce it, a Florida fisherman with a history of violence against women. The DNA profile matched saliva found in bite marks on Zapata's body. Mesquia, who did not testify, was convicted in 2004 and initially sentenced to 37 years, later reduced to 36 on appeal, and he died in 2021. Following Zapata's murder, friends formed the self-defense group Home Alive, organizing benefit concerts and releasing albums with contributions from bands like Nirvana and Pearl Jam. The aftermath also saw the creation of a Joan Jett album with surviving GITS members called Evil Stig. Home Alive offered various courses addressing self-defense, anger management, and martial arts.
0: Reggie Lewis, July 27th, 1993, cardiac arrest, and he was a basketball player for the Boston Celtics.
1: We'll we'll talk Kurt Cobain after a quick break. Cryptkeepers.
0: kurt cobain april 5th 1994 suicide allegedly founding member lead singer guitarist and songwriter of nirvana following a tour stop in munich germany on march 1st 1994 kurt cobain was diagnosed with bronchitis and severe laryngitis not good if you're on a singing tour he flew to rome for medical treatment the next day and was joined by his wife Courtney Love on March 3rd. Now that's kind of weird. Like maybe he was going to Rome next and that's why he flew there to get treatment. But it seems weird. Like, ah, there's no place in Munich good enough to treat me for laryngitis. So I'm going to fly to Rome. But in any case, the morning after their arrival, Love found Cobain unconscious due to an overdose of champagne and Rufinol. Cobain was rushed to the hospital and remained unconscious for the rest of the day. After five days, he was released and returned to Seattle. Love later stated that this incident was Cobain's first suicide attempt. On March 18, 1994, Love contacted the Seattle police expressing concerns about Cobain's suicidal behavior. Police confiscated guns and pills from Cobain, who insisted he was not suicidal, but had locked himself in the room to hide from Love. An intervention about Cobain's drug use was arranged on March 25, 1994, involving musician friends, record company execs, and close friend Dylan Carlson. Cobain reacted with anger, insulting the participants and locking himself in an upstairs bedroom. Eventually, he agreed to undergo detox and entered a residential facility in L.A. on March 30, 1994. The next night, Cobain left the facility and flew to Seattle. On April 7th, amid rumors of Nirvana breaking up, the band withdrew from the 1994 Lollapalooza Festival. On April 8th, Cobain's body was discovered at his Lake Washington Boulevard home by an electrician installing a security system. A suicide note addressed to his childhood imaginary friend, Boda, was found, expressing Cobain's lack of excitement for music and creativity. The coroner's report estimated he died on April 5th, 1994 at the age of 27. Now, there's a lot of conspiracy behind this one, right? I mean, there's a lot of people that think that it was Courtney Love that killed him. Um, I don't know. Do you have a, a stance on this one?
1: I really don't. I really don't have any... Particular theories that I'm very invested in What about you?
0: It's it's so hard If, if it was a drug overdose I think that I would view it differently <clears throat> And certainly he could have been killed With a drug overdose too You know, if um, somebody will say uh, I don't know, who do they always look at first When someone goes missing or You know, gets killed.
1: A romantic partner.
0: Yeah. But I don't know. I, I, For me, it's kind of hard to imagine that with the easy option of a heroin overdose, you would go for a shotgun.
1: True. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's one of those things where, you know, I've known people who have committed suicide. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like I've known of them. I've had a family member. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, you hear about it, whatever, but it's like, I've never been close enough to really feel like I know what's going through their mind. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know, what would make them want to do it one way versus another, leave a note versus not leave a note, like addressing the note to the, to the imaginary friend Mm
0: -hmm. is,
1: an odd touch. I don't know. It's, I don't know if it's one of those things where you might say like, well, I can do the heroin overdose, but I'm sick of heroin or oh, yeah. whatever, whatever kind of drug, whatever it was the, you know, rehypnol, whatever it was that he was hospitalized for the first time.
0: Yeah.
1: And he might've just been like, you know, I can get this over with in one millisecond for, yeah. The cost of a shell.
0: It Maybe we'll end up doing a show on, on him at one point, but there's a lot of uh, argument over the death grip and how the gun was found in things like that, where would he still hold on to the, you know, have a grip on the gun if he had done this or would it have been, would it have been, you know, shot out of his grip, th- that sort of thing. But uh, we we just don't have enough time to get into it because we've got a lot of other stuff to get to. So I don't
1: know with his just given the little bit that we were able to talk about, it sounds almost more like mental illness. Yeah, just clearly going through stuff, fighting with people, doing the things that he was doing, having just been sick.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: don't know. Anyway.
0: Well, next up we have Kristen Faff, and she died uh, June sixteenth, nineteen ninety four, of a drug overdose. And again, she was close to Courtney Love. She was the bass guitarist of Hole and Janitor Joe. That's another
1: fantastic name. All right, so now we've got Richie Edwards, February 1st of 95, disappeared later declared legally dead, lyricist and guitarist of Manic Street Preachers. On February 1st, Richie Edwards disappeared on the day he and James Bradfield were set to fly to the U.S. for a promotional tour of The Holy Bible. In the preceding weeks, Edwards withdrew 200 pounds daily, totaling 2,800 pounds, but the purpose of the funds remains unclear. The night before his disappearance, he gave a friend a book mentioning an introduction about vanishing from a mental asylum. Edwards left behind a decorated box for his on-and-off girlfriend, Joe, containing books, videos, and a note saying, I love you. His sister suggested that Sylvia Plath's poem, Tulips, reflected his state of mind. The next morning, Edwards checked out of a London hotel at 7 a.m., leaving personal items, drove drove to his Cardiff flat, and departed without his passport. Interesting. He was reportedly seen at Newport Passport Office and Bus Station in the following weeks. In 2018, a toll booth ticket's timestamp was clarified to be 2.55 a.m. and not p.m., altering the timeline. On February 7th, a taxi driver claimed to have driven Edwards around his hometown and to Severn, Sh- Severn? Yeah. View Service Station, Yeah, British names for stuff is, are strange, mm. where he paid 68 pounds in cash. Edwards' car received a parking ticket on February 14th and reported abandoned on February 17th contained photos of his family. The proximity to the Severn Bridge fueled speculation of suicide, although Edwards had denied such thoughts in 94. Despite reported sightings in India and the Canary Islands, none have been confirmed. The investigation faced criticism for handling Edwards' mental state and delays in an analyzing CCTV footage. His family declared him presumed dead on November twenty third, 2008. So that's a fairly long time Yeah. to have somebody be gone. Um, that's a very strange series of events so -hmm. before he disappeared he gave his friend a book he also left behind a decorated box for his girlfriend Mm -hmm. with books videos and a note which would suggest Mm -hmm. sentimentality yeah and checked out left personal stuff behind left his passport i mean that sounds like he's either going to kill himself or he's abandoning his life as it is yeah because i know that i've seen stuff they had you know i have done these like suicide prevention like an awareness seminars like they did them through my university and stuff like that And one of the things that they said is you should be very worried if somebody you know starts giving all their stuff away yeah (laughs) like they start giving stuff away that you know and that's like uncharacteristic for them. Yeah. Then that's that's probably a sign that something's about to happen.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right. So moving on, we have Stretch, November 30th, 1995 and it was of course by murder. He was a rapper.
1: Yeah, and then we have Fat Pat, February 3rd, 1998. I hate that they have these great names and I want to laugh a little bit and then it's like, oh they were murdered. Yeah. Uh, but that's another American rapper and member of Screwed Up Click.
0: Freaky Ta, March 28, 1999, Murder, American rapper and member of the hip-hop group Lost Boys.
1: Jeremy Ward, May twenty fifth, 2003, Died of a Drug Overdose, the Mars Volta and De-Facto Sound Manipulator.
0: So, yeah, uh, do you, we covered the Mars Volta a little bit, I think, in one of our episodes, but... Yeah, pretty important band, pretty well regarded yeah. uh, by critics. So. Uh, Jonathan Brandis, November 12, thousand three, and that was by suicide. And you may remember him from, uh, I believe it was Sequest, and he was he was in something else too. But he was uh, the kid in Sequest, kind of okay. the main actor.
1: Andrea Absalonova. December ninth, two thousand four, glioblastoma. So
0: glioblastoma.
1: Oh, glioblastoma. God, let's see what that is. Glioblastoma. I think I know what a blastoma is. It's a type of cancer. So this specifically type of cancer that starts as a growth of cells in the brain or spinal cord. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty nasty. Um, this was a porn actress,
0: Brian Audison. April 19, 2005, drug overdose, and he was the guitarist of American Head Charge.
1: Mm-hmm. Orish Grinstead, April twentieth, two 2008, kidney failure, founding member of the R&B group 702.
0: I know that's one of your favorites.
1: <laughs> yeah, so. for sure.
0: All right, Amy Winehouse, and she died July 23rd. 2011. Her cause of death was alcohol poisoning. And of course, she was a singer and songwriter. Amy Winehouse's bodyguard reported that he had been at her residence three days before her death and observed moderate drinking over the next few days. Now, when we say moderate drinking for Ryan, it might be had a couple beers after dinner. But when we're talking moderate drinking with someone like Amy Winehouse, I don't know what that necessarily means. That could be, you know, three quarters of a bottle of vodka instead of an entire bottle. So uh, on the day of her death, he found her lying on her bed at 10 a.m. but could not wake her up. After checking on her again at 3 p.m., wow, he discovered she wasn't breathing and had no pulse, prompting a call to emergency services. Two ambulances arrived at Winehouse's home in Camden, London, at 3.54 p.m. and she was pronounced dead at the scene. And of course, media, you know, brought up the 27 Club. Forensic investigators found bottles of vodka in her room. And a coroner's inquest ruled her death as misadventure with a blood alcohol content of 0.416. More than five times the legal drink and drive limit. 0.416, Ryan. Have you ever uh, seen like a video where, you know, like on cops or some show like that, where they're like, uh, you know, they arrest this person and the person cannot stand up. They can't uh, function. And they're like, you know, their blood alcohol is like 0.26. Right. This is like almost double that. So. Yeah.
1: I would assume that you couldn't even be, like you almost couldn't get there because you wouldn't be conscious. Yourself. To get there. Yeah. Like you would have had to maybe, if you're one of those people who can like open up their stomach, mm-hmm. maybe if you poured like a fifth of Everclear back and you're yeah. just, you're just done, maybe, I don't know. I can't, unless you're being like force fed it. I don't know how
0: you would get there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, Insanely high. And the coroner said that the unintended consequences of such high alcohol levels led to her sudden death. Mm-hmm. Universal Republic, Winehouse's record label, released a statement expressing deep sadness at the loss of such a talented artist. Many musicians paid tribute to Winehouse, including U2, M.I.A., Lady Gaga, Marianne Faithfull, Bruno Mars, Nicki Minaj, Keisha Buchanan, Rihanna, George Michael, Adele, Kelly Clarkson, Courtney Love, huh, and Green Day, who wrote a song titled "Amy" in her honor. Courtney Love is starting to uh, show up in a lot of these, isn't she? She's like the uh, Hillary Clinton of the twenty. I was
1: going to. I was also going to say, Marianne Faithful also has shown up in at least mm-hmm. two.
0: Yeah. Amy Winehouse did not leave a will and her estate was inherited by her parents. They established the Amy Winehouse Foundation to address drug misuse among young people. British authorities reopened the probe into Winehouse's death on December 17th 2012. A second inquest on January 8th 2013 confirmed her death as an accidental alcohol overdose. In a June 2013 interview her brother Alex suggested that her eating disorder and physical weakness were the primary factors contributing to her death. So did you ever listen to any Amy Winehouse?
1: No not really.
0: Man I mean her voice is very reminiscent of like a Janis Joplin. Mm. It's very husky and uh, sexy and deep and just soulful. I mean, her voice was absolutely amazing. And Back in Black is one of the best albums ever. Uh, her Back in Black.
1: So, like the opposite of Jen Wigmore? I guess. You ever heard Jen Wigmore? Mm-mm. Like kind of a high, shrieky, sort of shrill voice. No. <laughs> yeah. Somebody out there might have laughed at that if they know Chinwig more. I like like her, but (laughs) anyway, the the opposite, high voice, weird, kind of odd accent.
0: Let us know at crypticpodcast at gmail.com.
1: Did I make you chuckle (laughs) intentionally, or are you just laughing at me in general? All right. So we've got Kim Jong-hun, cause of death was suicide, and they were the vocalist and lyricist of Shiny.
0: Fredo Santana, cause of death, Idiopathic epilepsy, and he was an American rapper,
1: mm-hmm. Benjamin Kof. Kio,
0: Kio, It almost looks like it should Keo, be pronounced Kof.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> date of death: July twelfth, twenty twenty. Cause of death: suicide. Occupation: Elvis Presley's grandson, son of Lisa Marie Presley, and brother of Riley
0: Kio. Next up, we have murder, murder killer. Date of death, July 13th, 2020, and the cause of death was an asthma attack provoked by the use of alcohol and antidepressants, and murder killer was a Russian rapper. Mm-hmm.
1: That's, uh. Mur- murder Got to
0: add Mur- a comrade killer. in there
1: somewhere. I didn't know that asthma attacks could be brought on like that.
0: Yeah, I didn't either But who knows what's going on in Russia With what kind of medication and stuff They have too though
1: And I have more potent stuff than <laughs> we have
0: I'm sure they do
1: Like this will either cure you or mess you up worse We got Yu Yu yeah. Sounds right, right Date of death, August 29th, sure. 2022 So that's very recent And this was a Korean actress who died from suicide Oh, got Walkie Sure, go ahead Date of death, September 30th, 2022. Cause of death, suicide. And this was a Russian battle rapper. Walkie. Boom. Ivan Petunin, born on May 24th, 1995. Which seems like a year people should not be born to me because that feels like not very long ago. In <laughs> so I am going to say Belorashank. Developed an interest in rap at the age of 14, influenced by Eminem and Tupac. Good influences. He start well not good influences, but As far as music goes, uh, he started his career. Talented, yeah. yeah. I was just listening to Nate Dog the other day, but he started his career in 2012, engaging in battles until 2015. After which he would join the army. Returning from the army in 2016, he moved to Saint Petersburg and gained attention in rap battles at Slovo SPB. I mean, it's hashtag Slovo Saint Petersburg, I guess. Notably, a staged fight mm-hmm. with rapper Abel Bisk at Slovo, Moscow sparked discussions. I'm trying to think of it. What, oh, whatever. doesn't matter. Slovo is
0: like a battle rap tour, I guess.
1: Yeah. I'm just thinking about Abel Bisque. Like, I wonder what that means.
0: Yeah. When I was reading through it, I just glanced over it and I thought it was Abelisk, but
1: right so did i it's like i wonder if that's related to that word anyway 2017 marked a prolific year with album releases and numerous battles including appearances on versus facing health issues and exhibiting unusual behavior patunin was diagnosed with mania and schizophrenia after being admitted to a psychiatric hospital his condition worsened after a fall from his flat and his wife left him walkie as he was known Uh, released an album, Wolves in a Psychiatric Hospital, detailing this period. On September 30th of 2022, he, citing the Russian invasion of Ukraine, posted a suicide video on his Telegram channel expressing his decision to end his life by jumping.
0: It's hard to tell. You know, it's presented as, oh, he's so kind and caring that he'd rather end his own life than take someone else's life. And I just don't know if that's it or I'm not going back into battle. You know what I mean? There's that thing of like, never speak ill of the dead or whatever, but I don't know. I, I just, I don't know that it was, I, I disagree with this politically and I'm willing to end my life to prove my point or I'm just terrified of going back into battle. Yeah.
1: I don't know. Could be a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah, I'm terrified, and I don't believe in this. Could be a combination. Mm -hmm. But it seems a little bit less mysterious than some of the others still.
0: Yeah. And so on that day, he released a farewell album before his tragic death. Mm -hmm. All right. Young Trappa. Date of death, February 2nd, 2023. And he died of an overdose and was also a Russian rapper. So it sounds like Russian rappers are starting to really fill up this 27 club.
1: Yeah. Almost makes you wonder what they're rapping about. Yeah. It might be something that would upset a certain XKGB hmm. that might be in a position of power over there. <laughs> All right. And then we've got Julian Figueroa, uh, who died April 2nd of 2023 from a myocardial infarction and ventricular fibrillation. Uh, singer, actor, and composer.
0: Next up mobad cause of death undetermined uh that was september 12th of last year and uh mobad was a nigerian rapper so we'll keep you updated on that one when we hear anything else but that's all we've got on that yeah
1: les harvey was co-founder of stone the crows in late 1969 tragically during a performance at swansea top rank In 1972, he was electrocuted on stage. The incident occurred when he touched an ungrounded microphone while his other hand held the guitar strings. Contrary to some reports, the incident did not happen on a rainy day with Puddles on the stage as Swansea Top Rank was an indoor venue, which is like why Talladega Nights is kind of funny because there are no lights at that track in reality. That's something my brother pointed out to me, like like even the name is part of the joke
0: because my
1: brother's Likes watching cars drive in circles. (laughs) Anyway, despite efforts by a roadie to unplug the guitar, Harvey succumbed to his injuries and passed away at the age of 27. 1,000 fans in Swansea, Wales witnessed the fatal
0: incident. Pretty crazy. I mean, that is the most rock and roll way you can possibly go out. You know, most people would say, oh, motorcycle wreck or, you know, something like, nope, this is it.
1: That probably is it. Yeah, I think he won. If this was a contest, (laughs) he won.
0: Yeah, he definitely won that one. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the white lighter myth. And it's also known as the white lighter curse. It's an urban legend that stems from what we're talking about tonight, the 27 Club, alleging that several musicians and artists met their demise while in possession of a white disposable cigarette lighter. The association has led to the belief that white lighters bring bad fortune. The myth is intricately linked to the untimely deaths of iconic figures Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, and Kurt Cobain. In 2017, everybody's favorite debunker, Snopes.com, took on the task of debunking this theory. Their investigation revealed that the white lighter curse lacks factual grounding. Bic, a major producer of disposable lighters, did not introduce white disposable lighters until several years after the deaths of key 27 Club members, including Hendrix, Joplin, and Morrison. And other companies did not widely distribute white disposable lighters during the relevant time frame. Ryan, what do you think about the 27 Club? I mean, the white lighter club, sorry.
1: Yeah, I think... Oh, it sounds like BS to me.
0: Yeah, it sounds like they're trying to like squeeze another urban legend into yeah. an I urban mean, legend that's already there. It's
1: totally possible that everybody had like some kind of disposable cigarette lighter. I mean, I have one yeah. sitting on a table like ten feet away. Yeah, so I, it's it's a super common thing that you might have just had on you. So I don't know that there's a lot of.
0: Meat,
1: yeah, yeah, there's not much latch on to it. That one, it's kind of one of those things of like, well, there were 10 people that had them on them in that particular time period that died, and then you know, a billion people in the world who had a cigarette lighter who did not have any problems,
0: yeah. And if it were more modern times that they were referring to, uh, we might be able to read into it a bit more. But I mean, in the 60s and 70s every single person smoked
1: that's true yeah the one that i was referencing i don't carry with me i use it to light like kim uses to light scented candles and stuff like that yeah it's just Mm -hmm. we're not gonna have a grill lighter sitting around on one of the shelves so we've got just like a basic one from the dollar store yeah
0: so all right we'll talk final thoughts after a quick break Welcome back, Grip Keepers. Brian, what's your uh, final thoughts on the 27 Club?
1: It's giving me, like, Final Destination vibes. Because it's like you said, there are so many on this list. Well, there's quite a few that I don't know. And some of that probably comes from them being from a different country. But a lot of them, like you were saying to start, are so popular it's like you got to balance the statistics of there. You're more likely to die at like 56 as a popular musician with like the super high level of popularity of Jimi Hendrix or Jim Morrison. Mm -hmm.
0: It's,
1: it's, I don't know. It's a totally different animal at that point. Like it's a totally different kind of lifestyle. And I do think a lot of it does come with probably very high risk behavior. You know, the Mm -hmm. it's like, you're more likely to die in a car crash the more you drive. You're more likely My. to overdose on drugs the more you do drugs or so the more you're exposed to it. And of course people in these positions have the money and exposure to these kind of things, so it seems more likely. But the idea that it keeps happening to people at the age of twenty-seven is uh I don't know, maybe it's like some kind of glitch in the matrix, man.
0: Well I I think that we're talking about people that are twenty seven. If you're your band gets to be popular, you know, you're 23, 24. Okay. You have, you know, one world tour and then you're 26. And then now we're getting into the age where you've been exposed to all this for quite some time. It's, it's probably statistically less likely that someone who's been exposed to this lifestyle for one year is uh, less likely To die than someone who's been in this lifestyle for six years. And I think that, um, if it were all, um, gosh, I hate to say like B list celebrities, but you know, if, if it were just all B list celebrities, I don't think people would pay as much attention. But when you've got Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, um, Amy Winehouse, people that are not just at their peak in their careers, but at the peak of really what anybody could do. You know what I mean? Like we're talking about people that are selling out football stadiums, yeah. not people that are selling out the bar down the street. You know, these people are as big as it gets and there's a lot of pressure and I think that goes right to your uh, comments about availability, because like if I decided, man, I want to, you know, do cocaine. OK, so, so where does that start for me? Well, shit, I'm going to have to like probably go on Google and find out what are the high drug parts of uh, St. Louis and what block to drive down to. You know what I mean? Yeah. But for, for them, it's like, just make it happen.
1: Yeah, people just offer it, probably.
0: Yeah. Sim Sim Sal Ben, and it's right there. Uh, which, you know, you can knock people and say, well, they still shouldn't do it. But, I mean, it, it's one of those situations where, what's it like to be a rock star for five years? I have no idea. You have no idea and you don't know how you you'll act until you get there. And, you know, for some people, it's, you know, getting wasted every day on alcohol or whatever heroin or whatever, you know, they want to do. But I do think that there's something to it, or at least there was something to 27 but I don't know what it is.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's like it seems too much to be a coincidence, but it's hard to attribute too much meaning to it. Yeah. Because it's like, what is it? What's the commonality? Which is why I was saying like the final destination thing. It's not how they're dying. It's that they're Mm -hmm. dying.
0: And it's it's hard to find statistics on a lot of this. Um, I would think that the statistics for people that uh, match this lifestyle would be more in line with like the Jimi Hendrix and Jim Morrison uh, than, pe- than people who just happen to be musicians who don't partake in that type of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. What I mean is like uh, 25-year-olds who do heroin more than three times a week are going to be more likely to die than 27 year olds who don't do heroin at all. Yeah. So it's statistically, I think it's something that you almost just kind of have to throw everything out and you're the statistics guy. What do you think? I mean, this would be hard to make an algorithm for
1: you can find statistics to support anything or to debunk anything.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, just, Death and age, obviously there's going to be a higher correlation between high numbers and age and high numbers of deaths, but mm-hmm. that might be something that's hard to overcome statistically. You may need to kind of trim off the older ages, which is maybe what they did. I don't know what their methodology was. Right. But yeah, I mean, there's so many other factors to go into it. It would be interesting to kind of see if we could somehow tell the like level of influence they had. Or the kinds of things that they were talking about or getting into, you know, was there some particular subject that maybe they all had in common that they were starting to to touch on, or you know, maybe it's people over a certain level of influence. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? It does seem weird, but it's like I'd be interested to see, you know, a uh, hundred or whatever, two hundred million people were fans of Jim Morrison. And then mm-hmm. this happened, but like somebody who's less popular doesn't happen to. I don't know. Yeah, there are, there are so many things to account for when you do statistics, because you can look and say, um, God, I did some analysis a couple of years ago, and I found at least from the sample I was looking at, I was trying to find. This was in grad school, trying to find whether men or women were more effective as like in certain types of customer-facing roles.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we were looking at all these various topics and the hypothesis that we had been given was basically that, you know, people are more comfortable with somebody who's a little older or a little, you know, whatever, whatever it was. And when we started accounting for ages and like breaking down age groups, what we found was people are generally more comfortable dealing with women.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And that was what it came down to. So it's like you can do a lot of analysis, but until you can... Or e- not even just account for certain variables, but, like, think about doing that. I don't know that you would come up with anything terribly useful. I don't know if I'm talking sense to anybody or not. I'm trying not to use any, like, mathematical terms or anything like that. But, I mean, there's a million factors in these people's lives. Yeah. You have to be able to count for them. Like, I mean, I've done – I've used, like, statistical – well, I've used mm-hmm. probability models – for business proposals and then i've had Mm -hmm. to go into the banks and explain like what the math actually all means and how each of these pieces of this long equation are accounting for different variables that i'm looking at and then even they might be like well what about this how does this change your equation yeah so there's always stuff that you can miss even if you do make something really complex that seems to holistically look at the whole situation that was repetitive holistically look at the whole thing (laughs)
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's like if you look at uh, the walkie situation where he was just drafted and or was, you know, knew he was about to be back in the military, whether he wanted to or not. That's a hard thing to get statistics on. How many of these people that, uh, you know, committed suicide or died this way were about to, you know, be rejoined in a military movement they didn't believe in? So, I don't know. I just think you kind of have to throw a lot of the statistics out in these. I, I think there's something to it, uh, but, yeah, I don't know what it is. It's a mystery to me. That's kind of where, where it's going to stay. It's going to hide in the shadows forever, Ryan. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad I made it past the 27 Club.
1: Well, we weren't famous enough back then.
0: <laughs> All right. You got uh, any other final thoughts?
1: No, no. I, I uh, wish we had more, something more conclusive to say other than we think there's something here, but we don't know what it is exactly.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's also the thought like with uh, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, uh, Jim Morrison, that the hippies had kind of served their purpose to the government and, now they were getting dangerous. They were being anti-government and they kind of wanted to do away with the movement. And that is a suspected conspiracy theory as to why these people are, uh, you know, passing away. But I don't don't know that they would pick an age, right? I don't know that they'd say, well, when they hit 27, that's when we have to assassinate them. I think it would be a, let's... You know, let's get on this now. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. That That just doesn't make sense to me that they would make them all at age 27. So, yeah. all right. That's all we've got for you tonight on Cryptique. Please like, subscribe, and share. Socials are in the notes. Let us know what you think at Cryptique Podcast at gmail.com. Check out our shirts, mugs, and cool stickers at Cryptique Podcast Store.com. You can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash CryptiPi. And remember, rather than mourn the absence of the flame, celebrate how brightly it burned. Good evening.